0: back to the role player podcast presented by swiss cultures featured on eurohoops.net also apple podcast uh, i think i said spotify but let's just make sure we do them again and then of course the swiss cultures youtube page so y'all make sure go ahead and make sure y'all subscribe on that button below and check it out i'm back again i'm jordan taylor i am with my co-host and my guy the ceo co-founder of swiss cultures 11 year vet stanford gentleman
1: and a nigga with an immaculate hairline today, Anthony Goods. What's up, man? <laughs> hey, bro, man. I, I, I was I was uh, I was at an event, man, and the homie texted me. Uh, he texted me. He was like, "Hey, bro, your waves are popping." And I was like, yo, that's like, you know, you know, if the homie, he'll never say it in public, but, you know what I mean, <laughs> he texted to you, that's when you know your barber doing his thing, man, so I know it's a good week.
0: Hey, hey you know, we always keep it real on here, too, and I'm going to show love, you know, I'm going to tell it like it is, and I see you had your chin down a little lower today trying to show off the top, Uh see it's looking, you know what I'm saying, Norm- normally you look it up a little bit, so we go, yeah, they are looking down, man. <laughs> Man, right, came <laughs> man, through with it, pulled the brushing. dewy off when the shit started and everything. Start brushing it all that, man. But look, man, we got a, a very, very special guest, probably one of our most distinguished accomplished guests we've had so far. So bear with us as I read off this man's accomplishments and highlights, because it might take a minute, and we we deserve he deserves all the love. So we got it's an Italian league champ, two-time Italian cup winner a two-time LBA Best Defender, an Italian Cup Super Cup winner, a EuroLeague 2010-2020 All-Decade team member, three-time League Best Defender, six-time VTB United League champion, a Greek League champion, a Greek League blocks leader, two-time Greek League champion, I'm sorry, a German Cup winner, German Super Cup winner, German League Finals MVP, German League All-Star Game MVP, a two-time Italian Second Division Cup winner, a SOCOM Player of the Year if we're going all the way back to college, and, of course, we can't forget a four-time EuroLeague champ, one of the greatest to do it overseas and, quite frankly, in basketball in general, if we're being real. We got the one and only Kyle Hines, man. Kyle, we appreciate you joining us.
2: Appreciate you, man. I'm very humbled to be on here, man. I appreciate you guys, man. I'm definitely, definitely a fan of the show, fan of everything, fan of switch cultures, uh, me and Ant was talking a little bit before, man, but I uh, love man, what you guys yo, are doing. Man, Ky-
1: Kyle, Kyle probably the reason they just start handing out medals. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they start giving out trophies. They're <laughs> like, yo, man, these cats here winning too much. We going to have to give out some medals now. Hey, hey, but he's the
0: reason that we don't need to give out medals. If you ain't winning, then we just are used to trophy or nothing. <laughs> it's a trophy or <laughs> right, nothing right. at the same time, man. That's that is excellence at its finest, man. So, and honestly, <laughs> I, I'm, I think it needs to be said more because, you know, you see now uh, in, in the game with highlights being such a thing, especially, you know, we have pages like switch cultures that love to show love. and But, you know, sometimes you get guys playing for that, I think. Um, so I think it needs to be said more, you know, all the accomplishments you have and not necessarily as a numbers guy your whole career. You know what I'm saying? So I guess we're going we gonna to start right there and just kind of talk about was uh, – was winning always the main priority for you? And I know that sounds like a crazy question, but in today's, today's day and age, is, was winning always the main priority?
2: Um, I mean, I mean, winning was always in the forefront, but I mean, I'm just like everybody else, you know, growing up, it was all about numbers in the beginning. Like, you know, you go to high school and college, you know, it was all about 20 and 10, double doubles, you know, trying to average 20, trying to, you know, trying to, you know, the, the winning came with it. But, you know, if you were able to get the the individual accolades um you know that's what you know what mattered the most um you know up till um you know i was in college and i got tired of losing honestly like be honest with you i got tired of losing like i won my first championship i think it was in the fourth grade and i won a championship and after that until i got overseas and i just got you know tired of losing you know tired of having that feeling tired of watching you know other people you know hold trophies and hold you know all that different type stuff so you know once i got overseas um I just try to start focusing on trying to do what's best for the team. And then once I started focusing on that, rather than kind of focusing on my individual numbers, um, that's when I was able to start having the most success, you know, in my career um, just in general. So like, and then all the individual accolades kind of came with that. So, you know, once I started focusing on, you know, the team goals and, and, and started focusing on what I can do to help our team win, then that's when everything changed
1: yeah, for me. Yo, what was, your, uh, what was your mentality going into your into your rookie season? Like, what was your, what What were your thoughts leaving college? My my mentality
2: was, like, I was trying to get back to the league. I was trying to get in the league. So, I was trying to do whatever that was possible, um, you know. And, you know, the only way I honestly knew how it was, like, I was like, I'm just going to put up numbers. Like, I'm going to try to put up as many numbers as I possibly can. And I quickly learned, you know, I, I was thankful that I went to a team in the second division that had all vets. It was all, like, old-school Italian vets. You know guys that had played first division guys that had played in the national team and i had a coach um andrea Cinchetti, um you know had quickly you know showed me that this wasn't going to the way that it was going to be for me to be successful so like i said i first got over it i was like i'm gonna get buckets i'm gonna put up numbers i honestly thought i was a scorer i was like i'm a scorer like i'm they day talking about. i'm a scorer i'm gonna put up numbers and i remember like the second day of practice and you know, i went like i dribbled the ball coast to coast and went one on five went to the hole missed everything and then he took a timeout and just cursed me out gave me a new one and then one of the vets um one of the vets pulled me to the side and he was like listen man he's like you know if you want to make it in this make it here over in europe this is not the way you got to play so you know once i started to understand that and you know after i got tired of getting cursed out by andrea and you know all that different type stuff um i started to slowly figure out that like you know like if i'm like i said if i'm going to be successful you know i have to go about it a different way the old way i was doing it's not going to work and i mean if I'd have continued that way, I'd have been I'd have been in and out of Europe probably within Man, my first that's, year. Probably. That's
0: crazy awareness because I feel like you know we we talk a lot about on this show how situation is uh, how important situation is to success, but at the same time, how accepting were you of his coaching? Because for, for those that don't know, Trinkie is one of the better coaches in Europe as well now. So, but as an American, you know how hard was it you for to to accept his words? Because you probably came over there with an ego like the rest of us. You know what I'm saying. So, so what was that like, uh, getting cussed out all the time and then making that switch?
2: It, I mean, it, was, it was difficult initially because, you know, er, up to that point, every team I've been on, I've been the best player. You know, I was and then the coaches, you know, they coddled me. So, you know, I was, you know, they would tell me what I was wrong, but they would never really curse me out or anything like that. So, you know, so for me, that first time, it was almost like a shock. It was almost like, you know, like wow, like he really talked to me like that. Like, you know, you don't know you don't know who I am, you don't know what I did. But then like I said, I, I realized that like honestly, your stats, you know, all the stuff you did back home, all that different type of stuff, it don't matter over there. Like at the end of the day, it truly, really don't matter. So I was like, listen, like, like if I'm gonna, you know, if I'm gonna make, make my way, if I'm gonna be successful here, then I gotta completely change my whole my whole mentality. So I stopped really, like, really like getting upset that he was cussing me out. And I start really trying to understand what he was really trying to say and what like his meaning and the reason why he was doing it. And once I understood that, like we ended up having a really great relationship. And honestly, like I said, I think I learned so much from him during that first year. And if I didn't have him, like I really don't think I would be, you know, at the place that I am today.
1: Yo, uh, I think it's the funniest thing. How like I always felt like in the states, man. You, you guys remember, like you know, you coming up high school, whatever, in there, or even college, and they'd be like, "Yo, this coach is crazy. This coach is crazy." And like You like yeah You buy into that And then once you get to Europe You like Yo this is a different level Over here man
0: <laughs> Facts <Yeah. laughs> Nah, Facts That's Crazy Was it, yeah. was it like it Was there an American That you talked to To help you deal with that Or was it only the Italians Cause like Shit for me I don't know about you Aunt, But it, for me It was like Even them Italians I wasn't trying to hear That bullshit either I was like Man you Italian You know what I'm saying Like nah So Was it Was it someone else as well
2: I mean yeah. In the beginning, I was the same way. I was like, I was like, you, I was like, what you talking about? Like, you old? I was like, you old? Like, you like, you can't, you can't guard me. Like, I was like, I'm not gonna listen to you. And then there was an American. I mean, actually, it was two players. There was an American. Um, actually, three. There was an American that I came in with named DeWan Robinson. Um, and he he kind of you know he was like a three four year vet, and he kind of spoke to me. So I was I was like, all right, you know, he was from like the same area I was from. He's from Philly, so I was like, you know. I knew him, and I mean somebody I looked up to. Then there was an Israeli-slash-French guard named Afik Neeson. Um and he, like, really is, like, almost like uh, the way he says stuff, his approach to saying stuff is, like, very scientific, and he, like, uses, you know, like, uses big words <laughs> and everything like that. So I was literally, like, sitting down, like, like talking to him almost like I was, like, talking to my pops or talking to, like, an elder or something like that. So he would really sit down and, like, school me. And then there was uh, Jerome Allen, um, who's, I think he's assistant coach with Detroit right now. Um, but he was a legend in Italy You know what I mean Legend in Italy You know A legend here in Philly um, And he came to the team Once the Juan got hurt And he was 35, 36 at the time Almost at the end of his career And he literally would sit me down Every day Like he would make me Go to dinner with him Like I was like I'm not trying to go to dinner with you I'm trying to You know I'm trying to go out Do this Do my own thing And he would make me Go to dinner with him He literally would sit me down And we would literally Just talk Talk every day Like you know Talk about life Talk about different things And like I said Like he really invested in me And like once I started Like listening to him like I said, everything just really changed. It Then I started listening to the Italian players. And once they kind of see that, honestly, you know how it is, like when you're with, uh, you know, the, the domestic players or players there, they don't really, like, they don't really, I guess, buy into you until you actually buy into them. So once they see that I was really buying into, like, the team culture and I was really trying to be about the team and everything like that, that's when, it, that's when they started inviting me to dinner. That's when they started, you know, inviting me out, inviting me to different places. And that's when I kind of like, okay, you know what? I get it. I get what they were trying to do, and I, I fully understand it now. You got one good.
0: You had, oh, I thought you were about to say something. Now, no, no,
1: that, no,
2: no.
0: That's, um, so I mean, yeah, for for those that don't know, I didn't even know this till like a couple years ago, but I didn't know you averaged like 20 your first two years in Italy. So e- even even then, yeah, was it, was it, like, what was the mental struggle of giving up, like being a scorer? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, was there ever part of you that was like, you know, you have a great game, maybe you had like 8 and 11 or 12 and 15, you go home and be like, man, I could have had 25. You know what I'm saying, and did you struggle with that, you know, internally at all? Even though you started winning,
2: I mean, yeah. Because when you, I asked y'all a question. When you, when you play, you play overseas, and you call somebody back home, and you say, "Oh, I had a game." I mean, what's bad. the first person? What's the first they ask you? <laughs> how did you drop. So I was like, so I'm, I'm, I'm all my boys and everybody calling. me, They are like, yo, how about you drop? I'm like, oh, I had six, I had eight, but so I'm like, well, we won, we won, you know, we won. Like, I'm trying to like explain it to them. They, like, hey, like, what's going on? You all right? You need, you need me to come out there, You need me to, but they don't, they don't really get it. So I think, initially, like, it was, it was difficult. Like, it was difficult. Like, I really, yeah. I really thought I was a scorer. Like, I, 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 said today, I really thought I was a scorer, and I like, I really thought I was a scorer until so I started yeah, hanging around scores, <laughs> like people that are like really, really scores, like you know, like. So I, I was like, yeah, I could put up 20 until you get around like, you know, somebody that can, you know, drop 20 in, in the quarter or drop 20 off of like, and, you know, that's, that type of thing. So um, once I got started getting around like better players, honestly, when I got to Bamberg um, in Germany, that's what I like, really opened up my eyes because I was around like Brian Roberts. I was around Casey Jacobson. I was around like all these players and like these guys are real life scorers, like real life shooters. And I was like, you know what? I was like, yo, I'm not as nice as I thought I was, you know, so I'm going to have to try to figure this out and, and try to find my niche and try to find my role, you know, on this team if I'm going to survive. Because um, initially, like Chris Fleming, he wasn't going – he wasn't playing me. He was like, yo, you you going to come here and you think you're going to average 20, then you're not going to play. So I was like, if I want to play – then I got to find my way to, you know, get on the court. And like I said, eventually I found my role, and that's kind of like, you know, what yeah,
0: happened. I, I don't know what y'all think, but I feel like that – I've always said I feel like that's Americans' biggest problem is being able – that maturation process of being able to understand and realize, you know, you're not that. <laughs> you don't need to be that. Maybe you might be that, but you don't need to be that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I was t- like I had a teammate, Scotty Houser, he was like – and he – you know, he, this dude was a score, but he could also go get a triple-double – like yeah. that, and I'll be literally tell the dude like in Eurocut, go get a triple double. He get a triple double next game, trying to get thirty five, and you know how that is over there. So that that's impressive for you to have that humility and that uh, that awareness to be able to switch up like that.
1: I think I think a lot of it though is kind of what kind of what Kyle said, and you know what exactly are you playing for? And that's where the the maturation process comes. You know, are you playing for those phone calls that, you know, you get from home, you know, after the games and at night and stuff like that? Or are you playing for, you know, your check, your future, you know, your legacy and everything else? And I think that that's where you know, finding your role and things of that nature kind of puts everything into perspective. And then you have to prioritize, like, all right, well, yeah, they're just going to have to – I'm going to have to just deal with these deflated phone calls when they find out I had 8 and 12, you know what I mean, as opposed to, you know, the 25, (laughs) and then, you know, things aren't going as well. Yeah, yeah. Facts, facts, Facts.
2: that's facts. Like, also, like, I started, like,
1: I mean – Andre
2: started putting me on like Euro League like very when I first got over there and he was like showing me like numbers. He was like, look at Mike Batiste. Mike Batiste makes 2.5 million dollars. He's averaging 8 and 7. I'm like, what? <laughs> Watch him. See the impact he has. Look at this player over here. He's averaging 10 and 6. None of Americans over here is averaging twenty five points. None of the America's over here is averaging this. So he's like, if you want to be here, if you want to be here, which I think you could be here, start looking at these players. Start looking at what they do. Start looking at the little things that they do, and that's where you can have the most impact. And then once I started doing that, I was like, okay, that was like my aha moment. I was like, okay, so you tell me, I can, if I do this, I can do this, and I can do this. So do do you think
0: change. looking at those players though, and and we're gonna get into kind of your journey as it. Relates to the NBA. Do you think that hurt your prospects of getting back to the NBA? Even though it hurt or it helped you, uh, you know, along in Europe.
2: Um, I mean, I think it was twofold. I mean, I I always say, and I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. I think, I mean, I've been playing for fifteen years. Fifteen years ago, the NBA was different. The NBA was completely different. The NBA wasn't what it is now. You know, every it was very cookie cutter. It was very like you know, you go to the combine. And if you're not this, you're not you're not going to get drafted. Or if you're not this, like so for me, you know, I was I'm six four, six five, six six, maybe some days. Um, and you know, as a power forward, as a center, I'm majority played back my back to the basket in, in college. So you know, unless you somebody that's a next generational or freak like Charles Barkley or somebody like that, you know, I wasn't going to get my opportunity. So I realized that um, looking now. More likely now, I would probably have opportunities. I probably have more legitimate opportunities because the way the NBA is, the NBA is positionless. And you know, look at the Golden State Warriors, and you look at all these different teams. They have five guards on the court, or they have five, you know, five guys that are positionless on the court. So it's not so much you're not defined necessarily by your position; you define about what you can do, the impact that you can have. So I think that, and I think also, I mean, I just ran into this like really great situation is that um, You know, were happened to probably you know put me in a better opportunity. Like when I was in Cheska, like I never hit the market, so I never really had an opportunity to you know ever test myself. To even if I wanted to go to the NBA, it was like I'm at Cheska. I was like, we're, we're, I'm not trying to go anywhere. Like I'm at the, the pinnacle. So, so I'm in Olympiacos. I just won two Euro so I was like, you know, I'm not really trying to leave. So I think I think by the time then, like my 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 mentality really shifted. Like I wasn't really trying to go back to the league. I was just like, yo, I'm happy here. And you know, this is where I want to finish my career. You
1: know, stay yeah. here. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go. I got a question for you. I got a question for you So like, let's say Instagram was booming. Um <laughs> yeah. let's say like early 2010s, right? What player do you think would be like the 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 overseas basketball god of like NBA uh, of highlights? Which overseas player from back then do you think? Like, off-rip, I'm thinking Juan Carlos Navarro with, like, the one-foot, the one-foot-three yeah. and stuff. Uh, it's, yeah, I think
2: yeah, Juan, I mean, Juan Carlos would be crazy. I think uh, Pete Michael from Barcelona, um, he kind of went a little bit viral, but Pete, Pete Michael was a dog. Um, Terrell McIntyre? Terrell McIntyre, like, he was, like, the first, like, you know, like, American like guard before like Mike before like
1: Bo McCallum. Like, I gotta Terrell go Mcantyre, back I gotta like, go back was, on he, him. I gotta go I do, back and I look at the him. I gotta yeah. look at the footage on him. Cause when yeah. I came in Bo was that guy. When I came when I came Bo yeah, was that so, guy.
2: Yeah. So Terrell McIntyre was before Bo. from Terrell McIntyre was from like South Carolina, like Cincinnati. He was he was unreal. Um and then uh this like yeah oh no, Yamadidas and Papa Lucas. this and Papa Lucas 6'5", six, 6'5", five, six, five point guards, like, playing pick and roll, doing all types of stuff, like, Papa Lucas was six five, six six. like, destroyed the U.S. team in 2000, was it 2004, 2008, something like that, destroyed the U.S. team, with you know, so I think him, and then, uh, early Big Sopo, I think early Big Sopo, like, those are my players, like, early Big Sopo, I think, like, the I think the internet would have went crazy for, like, a young Big Sopo, like, him being that size, and be able to move and maneuver the things that he was able to do, I think he would have won it's
0: viral, y'all, y'all brother's old, so you know I was. I, 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 you know, I was saying, Instagram Instagram started popping right when I got overseas, pretty much. So I probably Soko. Soko. Soko was or uh, Sofo was uh, was probably the first one who I saw over there where I was like, "Damn, like this dude is unstoppable, low key." Like, he was probably the first one that I had really seen.
2: Yeah, was in 2010s.
0: I was still in college. Okay, I,
2: Oh, this how old I am with social media. too. So I met my wife on MySpace, right? Damn, Black
0: Planet, huh? Y'all was on Black Planet, <laughs> right?
2: But I went, to, I went, I went to college before Facebook. Facebook started. Like I remember when Facebook was like, you no, know, Facebook was only on, you only uh, was only on mm-hmm. colleges. Like you need to see the movie Social Network, but it was only on colleges. So I remember like when Facebook came to your school, like, everybody was going crazy. Like, we were all waiting to get Facebook as soon as Facebook came. So, when I started college, Facebook didn't come, like, my second semester. So, like, some of y'all, like, some of these kids, they don't, social media is all they know. Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, that's, that's, that's... that's yeah, that's all. And, uh, I remember. I took old. my visit. I took my visit to Stanford, and that's when Facebook at first dropped. They was like, "Yeah, you need a you need a, a college email to get on this. It's only at a few <laughs> schools." Like <laughs> they, they was telling me about it. Like it was just, it was something super exclusive. But I was like, "Yo, but all the ratchets is on MySpace." <laughs> like I don't
0: need this. <laughs> <Ratchets> <laughs> definitely on MySpace. <laughs> What's crazy is y'all really grew with Facebook too, because now people y'all age really only on Facebook still. That's that's crazy. Oh yeah. That's. F- Forty two plus.
2: Bad, bad. My, pop, my, pop, my pops on my Facebook. My pops are talking about yeah. I'm gonna
1: put this put this on my Facebook page. Like, oh, Bro, man, somebody my granny my granny got on Instagram in front of me. I blocked her. I'm like this this ain't where you need to see me. You can see me on Facebook, but yeah, IG the ain't where you need to see me.
0: <laughs> nah, facts. I had to block my mom too. I, <laughs> that's crazy. But um, so actually I was gonna ask you if. Going back then, coming out, you know, being from a small conference, too, what – I guess what do you think that would have done for – you? Th- obviously it's different now. You see players from smaller schools going to the NBA, too. So were there frustration with that? Or what's your thoughts on, like, the smaller players going to the league now? Or I guess did, did you have bigger schools? Would you have chosen bigger school back then if you could have? Yada, yada. You know how that goes. Just kind of break that down for us.
2: I mean, initially, like, I, I mean, I thought my stats um, – I was frustrated in the beginning because I was like, I thought, I thought I fit the bill. Like, you know, my stats, like I felt like I played well against all the big schools, the Dukes, the, the, um, Virginia Tech's, the, you know, the, all the, all the big schools, I had big games against them. So I was like, you know, I thought I proved that I, I belong. The NBA combine, Portsmouth, all that stuff. Like I played well. So I thought, so for me, it was puzzling. I was like, I don't understand why I'm not getting a legitimate shot. Um, and I think most people from, you know, most small school people, they think that, you know, because I think a lot of people back then, they thought, you know, they thought like the level was, you know, so off that they probably, you know, couldn't, you know, couldn't play or couldn't compete. So, I mean, I think, you know, guys like Steph, you know, guys of that nature who have like, you know, great careers from like small schools, I think, you know, I think they helped kind of change, you know, that that mindset a little bit. When I went to a bigger school, I mean, probably not. Probably not. Like, I enjoyed where I went to school. I enjoyed the success I had. Um, you know, I think that, I mean, one of the things with me, I think that, you know, everybody has a path, and everybody's path is, you know, is, is intended for a reason. So I think, though, know, I think me going to that school um, actually helped me. I think it actually helped me, you know, in my career. And we talked about it before, and you guys talked about it before with somebody else. I think for me going overseas, I think the fact that I went to a smaller school um, probably gave, you know, me an um, opportunity to have more success because I wasn't used to, you know, all the you know, all the goods and stuff that you get when you go to Stanford <laughs> and you know, all that, all that different
1: type. Of stuff.
2: <laughs> I was, I was used to you know all that different type of stuff and all the gear and all that stuff. So, um, you know, so I think uh, you know once I got overseas, like you know, I was used to you know just getting you know just our practice gear and all that different type of stuff. So I was used to the grind. So I think it, I think from that standpoint, I think it helped me out um you know but sometimes i think all of us you know you look at it you look at the looking back on it you're like man what if i went to Duke or what if i went to unc or what if i went to like you know these different types of schools and you see the brotherhood and you see the alumni and you see all that stuff so um part of me yes but part of me is like you know i'm 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 i'm, I'm happy in a way it yeah, turned yeah. out i i
0: lost my train of thought too i was about to ask you what it was like playing overseas back in 07 before the social media area you had to use calling cards and all that right
2: Skype, man. Skype. We had uh, Skype. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. There's two things: Skype, and then the cheat code was uh Vonage. Von
0: what's Vonage?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vonage, so Vonage was like this modem, and you plugged it up over there. And it was like an internet modem. You plugged it up, and it allowed you to have like a phone back home. The plan was like forty dollars, and it was like having like a house phone like overseas. So like when you couldn't get on Skype, like, you just had to Vonage. So I would just be, you know, what I mean, I would act like I was at home and so yeah so that's that's basically what it was uh it was no there was no facetime like you said it was just skype um blackberries they had the they had the international blackberries so i was able to be them, bbm that's how me and my um my wife at the time she's my girlfriend um yeah but it was it was tough man it, it was tough even like video like so we talking about like video games and dvds like there was a point where you know like Video games and DVDs didn't, like, American video games and DVDs didn't work in Europe. (laughs) Right? It wasn't like that. You could just download a game or download whatever you want. You got Apple TV. You can just, you know, download it. So, like, whatever you wanted for the year, you had to bring with you. So, I would go to GameStop. I would buy, like, 15 games. I would buy, like, all these DVDs and, like, whatever I had. Like, that's what I had. Unless somebody sent me a package or something like that. So, I mean, it was different. But, I mean... Honestly, like, it's just like how you would talk to your parents. You'd be like, yo, what you, like, how did y'all grow up without having this? How did y'all grow up without having that? Like, you don't know, you know. So you just go out and you just, you just do, deal with you whatever you have. So, but for the most part, I mean, it was a lot different. Now, I mean, I mean, these guys overseas man. now, they spoiled, man. You get everything. Like, it's, it's easy. It's easy. Guys that train, like, complain about, like, homesickness and, you know, not doing this and not having something to do. I'm like, y'all got everything. You can watch Netflix. You can do everything. Like, back then. You had you had two DVDs and two CDs and one game. That's all you had for the whole entire. Yeah, you were watching them movies on repeat, huh? <laughs> so, actually, we used, to, we used to show. them you like, used to have like a little like a shade. Like we go like to Rome, and then like you know somebody had a new one. We would you know take it, use it for. It, it was almost like a like a overseas blockbuster. Like I don't like that type of junk. We just like you know. Yeah, man. It sound bad. Yo, man.
0: <laughs> that's crazy. So you really like you y'all was missing. out. If it's a new movie that come out in the theaters. It was still coming out over there, too, though. But would they have the English, uh, you know, subtitle or uh, translation or whatever?
2: Quote on when you play that. when yeah. you play that. On yeah, it depend play that. on the city. Yeah, it either, yeah, either hit or miss. Or you just had to wait till you get back home. Or, or hopefully somebody sent
1: you the, the DVD or the yeah. Blu-ray. Yeah. Wow, that's a fact. That's a... And then there was like a, like when I, when I first started coming over, uh, we were getting all the, uh, like, you would have the DVDs for, like, your laptop. You could watch it on your laptop, plug your laptop into the TV. But then I had a homie, he had a gang of everything on his hard drive. So then I was like, yo, yeah. I got to buy a hard drive. He had Martin, drive. he yeah. had Fresh Prince, he had everything on there. So, like, I was over there, I was like, yo, you got a hard drive? Like, let me let me borrow your hard drive. And you just start, like, downloading <laughs> other people's movies on your hard drive. And, and that's how you used to get it off, man. It was crazy. Yeah, What's the hard drive? I think it was, like, one guy in Houston, if
2: I'm not mistaken, that was selling them, and he would sell, like, the full hard drives. It was like everybody had a hard drive from the same dude.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah. had a hard drive from that dude in Houston. He was hooking all the all the lead cats. <laughs> yeah, him <laughs> yeah. That's funny as hell, man. So which do you prefer? Which one do you think? Like, because I feel like there's two sides to that coin. Which would you prefer, nowadays or back then, I guess? Or what do you like about each, I should say? Because uh, I now, guess now, yeah, obviously.
2: I am Back then, I think it was, uh, I mean, I think he was just more resourceful, mm-hmm. like back then. Like, he was just more resourceful. Like, you know, you would just try to, like, you would either lean on your network or also, like, you know, I think guys was doing more, like, together. He was going out. And because y'all wasn't able to sit there playing on PlayStation or Netflix, you know, he was going out, exploring the city, doing stuff, meeting up with other teams, meeting up with other people. Um, you know, now, I mean, you could sit in the crib and watch Netflix or watch whatever, Apple TV or be on your computer or on FaceTime, or, you know all day so I think I think that's I think so I think I mean I appreciate it now but I mean I look at both I mean I, I appreciate what happened back then but I'm, I would much more enjoy um, you know now it makes makes everything a lot simpler and then
1: uh, you know we all had that teammate that like stay on the phone 24-7 nowadays <laughs> like you got that one dude he always on FaceTime he always tapped in back home he just like in his bubble until it's practice until it's oh that's you man huh? <laughs>
2: like four o'clock in the morning like they was, i had teammates that was up like trying to stay on trying to stay on us time on facetime i just sit there like my, my yeah, first my yeah,
0: first three years crazy. i was up till 4 30 damn near every day after game days i had used to have to take nyquil because i couldn't sleep before so i used to, have to take nyquil so i could knock out at like 11 something like that <laughs> pull up in that gym tired than a motherfucker man <laughs> <But> <laughs> probably why i got all these damn injuries but <laughs> <laughs> nah, but that's dope, man. You got to see kind of the evolution of, of overseas, man, from a, from a social perspective. So from a from a basketball standpoint, the game has obviously changed a lot. Because uh, you was over there when the when the, uh, trapezoid lanes was there too, right? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> like, so like, where do you see as far as it's come? And now with the Euroleague Players Association and the Euroleague kind of having more publicity as the second best league in the world where do you see the future of european basketball going that's a broad question so answer that however you see fit
2: i mean it's going to grow i mean it's going to continue to grow um i mean i think that it's going to continue to get more exposure um you know with you know with with stuff that you guys are doing stuff you know other guys you know other players and you know other um you know other platforms are doing um, it's gonna to continue to grow. I mean, I think people are, are taking more notice of it. Um, I think you're starting to see your league have real life stars. I mean, I think the main person everybody comes to name is Mike James. You know you start you're starting to see like, you know right now, I guess maybe there's one or two like a Mike James or a Shane Larkin that are you know that are American stars. But I think you're going to see the evolution where it's going to be more. Maybe every team has somebody that's more notable, or every you know that type of that type of thing. Um, I think the league is going to continue to get more exposure and continue to grow. Um, it is the second best league in the world. Um, I think you can see the you know the reason why that, and not only because the players you know that are doing well in the states, but also that the players, like I said, are doing well in Euroleague. And I think that overall, I think that the future of Euroleague is very bright. Um, I think it's gonna you know, I think over the next ten years I think you're gonna see the you know, some of the best basketball players probably come, you know, from, from your league basketball in my opinion.
0: As a as a part of the players association, what type of things are you pushing for? Like what type of things are still missing right now?
2: Um I think a big thing to me, um, is just uh, you know, players being able to monetize um and earn earnings um not only just off of base off but just like their salary. Um, I think a big thing moving forward, I think, is going to be players having control of their image rights. Because um, right now we don't. I think, you know, teams are able to use your image or monetize your image any way you see fit. And I think that, you know, which is different from in the States, um, you know, players are able to use their name, their likeness, their image, um, and be able to monetize it and use it however they see fit. Um, and That allows them to get, you know, individual endorsements, which I think, with social media and those different types of mediums that are, are popping up. I think it will give, um, you know, more players the opportunity. Um, I think also pension, I'm a pension fund or something along those lines. Um, I think, you know, we we're all young. When we were younger, we're only thinking about right now. We're not necessarily thinking about, you know, like me, when you know, towards your enemy career. Um, and even me, I'm not thinking about 50, you know, when I'm 50, 55 or whatever, when, you know, you know, when I want to have the opportunity for, you know, my years of service, you know, to be able to get the you know the fruits of that so i think you know like professional sports um in, in north america um you know guys are able to um you know take the pension and use the pension um you know for their benefit. so i think the i think that for me is the, the next uh, the next two things i would like to see um but then on the court on the court i mean i think the, the product of basketball is as well i don't know if there's any necessary um you know any big changes um that I would probably, probably like to see. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. I think those, for me, those are probably the two biggest things I would like to see that um, hopefully I think will happen um, sooner or later.
1: Yeah, I remember there was, like, a lot of discussion about the stickers on the court. Um, You know, how how has that evolved since that conversation got started and and where is that at now? Because, I mean, you you would think, like, they got to be able to paint some of that stuff on the wood, man. Well,
2: in Euroleague, in Euroleague, your you're no longer allowed to have stickers on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you everything on the on the paint and on the half court has to be uh, has to be painted. Um, and then even on the sidelines, um, if I'm not mistaken, you know they had like those advertisement stickers that they usually have. That sometimes they like they were putting on with duct tape and different type of tape and stuff like that. Um, from my understanding, we're trying to get those removed as well. So, with the hope that that if we do it in EuroLeague, we set the standard in EuroLeague, then everything else will trickle down to EuroCup, to Euro Challenge, to FIBA, to the domestic league and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think the stickers are, I mean, if you look at them, how many players, I think somebody sent me a video a couple of years back of, like, a compilation of, like, how many players actually got injured and got hurt, you know, you know, seriously injured, seriously hurt, whether it's, like, ACL, MCL, Achilles, or muscle tears or something like that, just based off of a sticker, um, whether or not, and not so much the... The, a lot of it's because the teams weren't upkeeping the stickers. They would have one sticker on for the whole entire season, and you know, eventually it would slip. So, um, I think we're moving towards that um, being the standard all throughout Europe. And I think it's making teams find more creative ways to advertise and to market. Um, and you know, so that way. Uh, and I think also it's going to put players' uh, uh, players' safety at the forefront. I think that's also what it's done too.
1: Yeah, man. I, it's funny just chopping up highlights, man. Over the last five years. I used to see that ISO up top with that middle sticker. (laughs) Like, somebody might get dropped, depending on who's up there. (laughs) Like He might get dropped,
2: man. Yeah. And, Gordon, where you at? Where you playing at? What type of sneakers you got? Like, Jones, it becomes like an ice game ring after a while. He's out there just slipping and sliding. That's why you don't play
0: defense. That's the key. (laughs) <laughs> Just don't guard You got it Let go. You got it Just don't guard hey, hey. Get beat, get beat hey, man. rotate
1: ah, ah, ah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Late contest <laughs> Nah man But what, what about the um? What about making the game Because obviously there's little things Like the shot clock is uh, goes from 24 to 14 Like the NBA What about a longer game uh, Going to 48 minutes Something like that um, And then also where do you stand on separating as a league, you know, your league becoming its own league, maybe lengthening the season, more games?
2: Um, I mean, I think the I think the time period, I think going to 48 minutes, I don't necessarily think that be, would benefit the game or I mean, I don't think it would change it, change that much. Um, I mean, your league is different. I mean, European basketball mm-hmm. is different for the most part, you know that. You know, most, they use 10 players. Most most players are playing, sharing a minute, sharing the load. So I don't think that will necessarily be you know, a big thing. Maybe it will um, increase the level of possession, increase the score. So maybe that will be more exciting for the fans to see you know, more scoring. Rather than games happening in the 60s and 70s, maybe you have more games in the 90s and 100s. So maybe that, that way will kind of be more entertaining. But I don't think overall, I don't think it will change the game, the actual product of the game mm-hmm. that much. Yeah. Um, as far as EuroLeague being a closed league, um, I mean, I think eventually, I think it's organically going to happen. I think it has to happen, um, just because uh, you know basketball is a business, and you know where where do you see the most, you know, the most money, the most opportunity, um, and that's you know in high level basketball, and that's you know the highest level, the highest competition is EuroLeague basketball. So, I think overall, I think it's organically going to happen. I don't know what that time frame is going to be. Um, I don't think it's going to be necessarily while I'm still playing. I think it's going to be for a long, long down the line. But I think it's, I think it's going to happen. I think it's, I think I said, like I said, I think it's organically going to happen. I think it's going to be this, the natural progression, you know, of basketball of sports. I mean, you've seen soccer try it, um, you know, a little while ago, but I think EuroLeague is going to have to eventually do it, especially with the scheduling and everything that, you know, that kind of accompanies, um, you know, the, the EuroLeague or the basketball season overseas.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's definitely, Definitely true. I'm a I'm a big fan of it. I say get rid of domestic leagues, man. Get rid of all them dudes. Ant don't agree with me, man. I'm like go go Euro <laughs> League. Get rid of all them dudes. Send them to the H and R block. You know let the let the Hoopers play, man. You know what I'm
2: saying? Euro League. Why do you why wait, tell me wait, tell me talk talk to me? Why why would you say that you don't want uh, Euro League to be a closed league?
1: <laughs> Uh I, I just think that I think that it just it hurts basketball at the uh at the domestic level, you know, for these I mean, because it's easier in the States. I mean, we're this huge country, you know, and whatnot. Yeah. So but you have these individual company um countries where, you know, a lot of these smaller market teams they do They kind of depend on, you know, playing against like the the EuroLeague teams and and it brings a sense of pride. Like it brings, you know, a a lot more to the to the country, you know, from a local standpoint. So I think that um, in regards to growth, I don't think it's going to hurt growth that much if the EuroLeague teams just break off and have their own season. But I think it definitely does. It does help. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm sure you know. We've all seen it when the EuroLeague team comes to that small team. Like the gym is packed; everybody's there. Yeah. Like people that probably never yeah. been to a game the whole the whole year. You know what I mean? It's the same. It's the same thing like with the Drew League. Like LeBron going to the Drew League. Like it was packed. You got guys that have never seen these type of players play. Like so, I think that you know culturally, I think it'll it, it'll take something away. You know, for these uh these domestic countries, like. I'm a hundred percent for it. Like in regards to you know the best league, best competition, best players. Like yeah, there should be their own league. But I also do understand the impact of having those Euroleague teams at the domestic level and like what it could do for a particular country. So um, that's the only reason I think it should it should kind of like stick around. Uh, but you know I I think it is it's inevitable. I think at a certain point. You know, what I mean, I think Euroleague probably will, you know, establish something different. I I agree to that standpoint. I
2: agree that I think that like the domestic leagues because it's different. Domestic leagues are more of a tradition. It's more of a sense of pride. Um, you know, for um, especially the, the in the country. You know, certain countries winning the you know winning the domestic league championship is bigger. and means more than winning a, a Euro a European championship. So I think from that standpoint, I think that it's 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 tough to see or tough to kind of forecast how what the impact is going to have um and then also i think it i mean i think if it does happen i think what it may do is like how will guys get the opportunity to move up and play in your league or play in these higher levels if they don't get the opportunity to face these guys i mean that's that's how i moved up you know i was able, able to move up because i played against a euro league team so if you don't have those opportunities then you know then how will guys be able to kind of prove that they can they can play at that level so i think from that standpoint I, I think organically it's going to happen i don't know what impact or you know and i think it's going to be for us that have played you know in europe for such a long time and played for played in the domestic league i think for us um you know it's gonna i think most people aren't gonna like it but i like guess like you said before i think it's Probably it's going to be that natural regression, or it's organically going to eventually happen. Just, just a matter of when, you know. So I don't know when, but I think eventually it will. I,
0: I think, I think the forty-eight minute game will help people get more opportunity in your league. You know, if you raise, raise the more minutes, more games. I think you know, I, theoretically, you give you know young guys maybe signing a guy for eighty, hundred thousand who would have otherwise gone yeah. to one of those domestic league teams. And now he gets to play behind Kyle Hines. or he gets to play with Mike James and he yeah. kind of learns the, learns the ropes of Europe and specifically Euro league. And now it becomes somewhat of like a, a feeder type program that I think that yeah. Americans don't necessarily have in Europe. You know, you get to play Euro challenge or Euro cup, which are, which are great competitions, but I don't think it's quite the same level or quite the same atmospheres um, as Euro league.
2: I think, I think that the, only thing I think about that is, is that because every the forty eight minutes in 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 the NBA, every game doesn't matter, right? right? Every possession doesn't matter. Just
1: about to say that. So
2: right. You have that. You have. You're able to. You know, not play every minute. But if you play a forty eight minute game in EuroLeague, league, like it's going to be like a bloodbath, like because every possession, every you know the way they play, the you know, way the game is, where the atmosphere is. So, I mean, I think it'll. It'll be more possession to give guys more opportunities, but then also in a negative it can be more opportunities for, you know, injuries yeah. or, you know, those those type of stuff. Which is it was something that's gonna happen anyway. Yeah. But um yeah, that's the way I kinda look at it. I'm like, man, I gotta play forty eight minutes against Tavares. Like, well, man, that's now? and I'm
0: saying theoretically though those extra eight <laughs> minutes are for the guys who are the young guys that are giving you know, those, you know, we gotta throw them out there for yeah. the for the five, ten yeah. minutes because, you know, yeah. that theoretically speaking, obviously it's not might not happen yeah. that way, but yeah, yeah. So but yeah. that's just that's my thought process behind that. But so yeah. But you got anything in?
1: Nah. I mean, I think that uh <laughs> you know, I remember I came I came from like it was a D League at the time to, to Europe and I was playing in Italy and that was that was probably like the first thing that hit me. It was like I remember my first few games, I'm like, the quarter's almost over? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It goes by so fast. You know what I mean? Because 12 minutes is a long time, man. And I noticed it even, you know, going to Europe, watching a game, or even watching a college game, and then going to an NBA game, you're like, yo, this game's still going, man. Like, it lasts forever, man. It's crazy how much those extra two minutes at the end of every quarter make a difference. And then what are you doing with TV timeouts and, and everything right. else? You know what I mean? And, and don't let the European fans get rowdy. Now we got to stop the game for a little bit. Like, <laughs> you in that joint three and a half hours.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Referees, they probably not trying to be here. The referees, they getting cursed out. Yeah. And up and down the court, they probably like, nah, that extra eight minutes, man. We're going to need something more. <laughs> need something else.
0: <laughs> Yo, what's, what's, your, what's your mental like after being in Europe for 15 years? Like, how have you – obviously, you've grown as a person, and you've been in great cities, great teams, but there's still challenges to being in Europe, right? Like you said, it's a grind. So, kind of tell us about your mental and and how you've changed over these years, um, for better or for worse.
2: Um, I mean, kind of how I grew my mentality is basically like, uh, I I guess this is kind of bad to say, but I almost forget about home. Like, I don't even think home does exist. Like, I just kind of get tunnel vision. I'd be like, yo, this is my home. So, you know, I treat you know where I'm at almost like as like this is my home. So you know, and you know, everything I would do here, or everything I would you know do in the stage, I would just start doing at home. Meeting people, going out to restaurants, you know, exploring those those different type of things. And I think that also helped me um, become adjusted a lot more versus and you know me just being in my my apartment or being in my room, you know, on Facetime or playing video games, whatever. Just like looking about like what everybody else is doing, feeling like I'm missing out, you know, here missing out. So that's that's kind of been always been my mentality. I think it's helped me kind of make the adjustment a lot easier. Like I, I say it all the time, I've been over there fifteen years. I've lived i lived in Europe almost, you know, half my life at this point. So, you know, um I'm, I'm more European or I feel more European more European. I mean I live majority of my adult my adult life I've been spending in Europe. So Europe has basically shaped my mentality, basically shaped who I am. Like I'm a lot more open minded, I'm um, a lot more I do things a lot more slower than I guess you would say when you move know, back <laughs> home. Um, you know, I take my time, um, you know, so I, I definitely think I have a, a, a more of a European mentality um, now. And I think once I retire, I think that's going to be the hardest adjustment for coming back home, you know, trying to, you know, be American again. I guess you can say American culture, you know, and I think mean, I'm sure you guys go through it all the time, you know, I just left Target and Walmart. and I'm just like, yo, why, why we got so much stuff here? Like, why is it like, you know, why is there so much, you know, different things like that. You go to a, a grocery store in, in Europe, it's like, they got one cereal, you know, one this, one that. And it's like, you know, portion sizes of this and everything. So I think for me, like, that's going to be like the, the hardest adjustment. But I think also, like I said, for me, like, I just literally like, yo, know, I stopped worrying about home. And I just like, yo, I'm going to make the best of my situation here. And I'm going to treat here like it's home. And I think that's what helped me with my adjustment so much.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I think I noticed that through cities. I just being being in a place like Miami and you hear all them different languages and you like I'm like, oh okay, you can pick up or you hear a little something and I'm like, Oh, that's dope. I can understand it. And it's like being in yeah. Minneapolis, which is a great city, you know what I'm saying, Minnesota, a lot of great hoopers. Shout out Minneapolis Hoopers, you know what I'm saying? From it's Khalid I, from Khalid Alameen <laughs> to Chet Holmgren. We're gonna shout it out every episode until we, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so being in a city like that where obviously it's more white and not as diverse, whatever, it's uh it's dope to be able to have that range, honestly.
1: Yeah, I think I think one of the one of the tough parts, man, where I felt like Europe made its impact on me was coming back to the states and really like eating the food because you know when europeans come to the states they'll be like oh the food is terrible in the states and like i i go to 90 percent of italian restaurants that i go to i don't even order like what i would normally i can't nope. eat risotto anymore can't. i can't do certain pastas Ch- like, chicken parm out the, the, the window su- <laughs> oh come on yo like it, it's Pull up to
2: Olive
0: Guard no more, right? <laughs> nah, nah, you you bugging. You bug, y'all bugging. I'm still pulling no, I'm pulling no. I'm pulling right up to Olive Guard. Right up to Olive no. Guard. <laughs> y'all Just put a salad, and the breadsticks. And, the
1: salad uh, in the breadsticks. Uh, and
0: I'm good. I ain't gonna say it's the same, but Olive Guard is still hit
1: now. Y'all wilding. <laughs> 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 that shit is cracked. <laughs> Hell shit. nah, but like Europe Europe really does like it just really just expand. It expands your mind in the, in the sense of like the things that you eat, the things that you uh, that you cherish. Like even little things, like you know, in Europe. You go sit down at a restaurant and have coffee. You be there for like two hours, three hours. Like here in the states, as soon as you done eating, they slap that check on the table. Like yo, y'all ready to go? We gotta get somebody else in here. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe we got somebody coming in. He was talking, to Yeah, you gotta leave.
2: So.
0: Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's different. I, I ain't gonna lie When I was in Asville, when I was in France There was this little like cafe downstairs And they didn't even serve breakfast And I used to go down there every morning Dude make became friends with him and all that Dude made me some scrambled eggs, some croissants And some sausage or, or bacon every morning Just for me, had my little coffee Being there chilling, that was one of the best times I ever had just Being there talking to him and his wife Man, you, you can't get that type yeah, yeah. of stuff here So, exactly. so But yeah. Hey, But look, man, like we've been, we going to keep beating the dead horse, but you don't grew up with the league. So you really like, you know, who, who, what comparison do you want? You really like the the Bill Russell of EuroLeague or the or the Kareem of EuroLeague or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, you really have grown uh, up with the league in the sense that you are one of the greatest to do it. And you should, if you haven't already, right. you should have trophies named after you. Um, Thank you. So... Do you think that guys of your caliber? and We've had this conversation with Shane, should be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And don't be humble. Keep it keep it real. Don't be humble. I mean,
2: honestly, it's hard. I mean, honestly, it's hard to really say. Like to me, like at this point right now, because like my career is not over, so I still look at it as like I still got more to do. So like I still feel like that the the chapter's not over. I still feel like I'm I'm still, you know, writing writing my writing my story. So um I think I mean I think there's if I'm not talking about myself, I do think that there's players like a Smolens, like a Yamadidis, like like those type of players that belong in the basketball Hall of Fame because their contributions to the game um, you know, have been global. You look at, you know, you talk to you talk to Luca like Luca is you know, hands down one of the top five players right now. And you look at who is his idol growing up, he's going to say Spanoulis. You talk to Giannis or, you know, all these other players, you know, their idols, you know, they patterned their game after, you know, European players. And I think a lot of these European players have, you know, changed, you know, changed the game or had an impact on the game, um, you know, moving forward. So I think that their contributions to the game, you um, running out of Shane or Mike or me or Mike fatigue or whatever. I think their contributions to the game should be acknowledged. Um, you know, at some level, I don't know what that level is. I don't know what it is, but I do believe that, um, the contribution should be acknowledged.
1: Yeah, man. I've been, I've been on here going to bat for you, man. You know what (laughs) I mean? I, I think that like, you know, when I look at, when I look at like your career, when I look at like what Shane is currently doing as well, um, you know and that's just this current era you know not even to speak on the eras before but like even if you just look at the players in this current era it's like you can go around the NBA there's only a handful of players that you could say could possibly accomplish the same things that you guys have accomplished you know what i'm saying like Shit. to go to that many final fours and to win that many times and things like that there there are probably a lot of NBA players that probably couldn't do the same thing but or probably will never achieve those same things in their league or probably can't even do it in the EuroLeague, but then they're probably going to get a Hall of Fame bid. Yeah. And I, the way I look at, like, Hall of Fame, and not just players, I'm talking about European coaches, like, Abradovich doesn't get in? <laughs> like You know what I'm saying? Like, granted, two different levels, I get it. But we've also seen that you could take players from both levels and they could fail. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if we're just looking at basketball and the Hall of Fame is about accomplishments, I think that... Euroleague is prestigious enough to uh, for the Basketball Hall of Fame to take a look. You know, take a look into these careers. Uh, you know, and, and even go back, even if we got to backtrack. Man, it's never too late. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it's it, it deserves consideration. I agree. I mean, not not, some, not only the
2: accomplishments, but I do believe the contributions and the impact because I feel like a lot of these players have a you know impact that you know that will be that won't be able to um, understand or realize until you know a lot later on. So I, I absolutely agree.
0: I, I think, I think contributions is a good word and a good way to look at it. Cause I think a lot you talk about Luca and all the dudes they looked up to, but I think there's going to be a, a thousand dudes that come to Europe, Americans who myself, I came to Europe. I didn't know what Euro league was, man. I, I've told this story before we played Fenerbahce when I was in Rome my first year. And I just, I was like, okay, we'll, we'll see them later. We played them at exhibition. exhibition was like, we'll see them later. And one of my teammates like, was like, no, they're Euro league. Like, I'm like, what the? Okay, didn't think nothing about it. I didn't know. I didn't really know what Euroleague was for real for real until my second year in Europe, because you know we all think about the NBA. And then I started watching Euroleague. Matter of fact, towards the end of that year, I think that was the year y'all won it, 2012 in Olympiacos. Yeah. 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 So I remember watching the game and being like, oh, like this is this is lit. And then you know. Going back and be like, I want to play there if not the NBA. So I think those contributions, myself, other people looking up to guys like you, like Shane, like that's that's just as big of a contribution, you know, as Luca looking up to whoever DMT this or Navarro, whoever it is. So at least that's my two cents.
2: I mean, I'm with you. I agree. I agree.
0: So, well, we'll see though. I think it probably won't happen until uh, probably won't happen until Euroleague becomes a closed league. I would imagine um, maybe some of that stuff will start
2: happening. But yeah know, we'll or like for Euro League and the NBA or FIBA have some type of partnership or, or something along those lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So over the years playing with all these teams, what makes uh what makes an organization a winner? We talk about a lot the NBA and how they help guys, young guys, whatever, and uh mold a mode winner. So to you, what makes an organization a winner?
2: Um, I mean I I mean I I guess this word gets thrown around a lot, lot, but culture. Um, You know, people always talk about culture. I think think culture is a big thing, a more type of culture. If you have a winning culture, if you have a winning, um, you know, a winning mindset, like the whole organization from top to bottom, I'm just talking about players, but it has to go down from the owner to the GM to the president to the medical and support staff. If everybody is about, everybody's on the same page and everybody's all in about winning, then I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I think chemistry with the players um, I think that's really big important and very very important in Europe uh, more more so probably elsewhere because um, as I said before in Europe you know it's you play 10 guys 12 guys versus you know in the NBA or whatever you can have one or you play 8 guys but you have one or two superstars who are the superstars who are you know can carry a team versus in Europe you know you need all the guys to be on the same page you need all the guys to you know really you know, do their job. But one one person or, or, you know, two or three people aren't doing their job, you're not going to win. So I think chemistry both on and off the court. I think also because a lot of times, you know, you and especially in a Euroleague locker room, you got 12 guys in the locker room, but you got six Americans, a guy from Spain, Four Italians, a guy from France, a guy from somewhere else. So, you all have to try to find some type of common goal because I mean, you're not from the same place. Even from the States, you got somebody from Minnesota, somebody from Cali, somebody from Jersey, somebody from. So, you all got to try to find a common goal, you know. And I think if you're able to build that chemistry together, um, I think that is it. So, I mean, and there's a lot of difference. You have guys and, you know, you might have a guy in the locker room that's making $3 million. And you got another guy in the locker room that's making 250 or 300 or whatever. So, you know, you got to try to put all those differences to the side and, and find that one common goal. So, I think that is, I think to me, those are the two biggest things, the culture um, and the chemistry. And I think especially in Europe and EuroLeague. And then lastly, you just got to have a little bit of luck. Like, honest with you, you just got to have some luck because... Um, the way the Euro League season is, the way the European season is, like it's a long grueling season. Like it's long and you just gotta just kinda just be playing your best basketball at the best moment of the season and you know, sometimes that's just out of your control. Um, you gotta be lucky, you gotta, you know, be able to, you know, you know, win a final four. Final four is a single game elimination. So you basically the team that wins the final four isn't necessarily the best team in the Euro League that whole entire season. It's basically the best team that played that weekend. So a lot of its luck. Um, and so that, to me, those are kind of like the biggest, the the, the, the two, three biggest things in my opinion.
0: Shit. How you get lucky four times?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And more than that. Honestly, I I mean, if you look at the, I, I mean, if you look at, I've been there four times, but I lost, shoot, how many times I lose? Six times, six times. So I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, I lost more than I actually won. So the fact that I the fact that I keep keep getting there gives me more opportunities to win. So so I mean, people don't focus on the losses; they focus on the win, So I mean, which is good for me. Shit, you Brian for real. <laughs> listen, listen, <laughs> Unless you no, Brian, Unless
0: you Brian. That is that is shoot. But. <laughs> nah, but that's crazy, man. So yo, listen, podcast. You are on one right now? podcast. are kind of. You have a podcast too with uh, with Euro right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you wanna shout out you can shout out the podcast with EuroLeague. Make sure people go check it out. What's it called?
2: Yeah, I got I got two. We got the uh we got the the quarter with Kyle Hines, which is like a ten minute um little podcast we do with EuroLeague, League. This past season we did uh interviews with, you know, all the young the young players, up and coming players, um, in EuroLeague. Um and then I got the players podcast with Elpa um the early players association which is a little more of a long term um kind of similar to what you guys do um type podcast um so those yeah, those are the two i mean it, it's the same mission what you guys are trying to do just trying to showcase you know trying to give guys opportunity to tell their stories um and while at the same time you know spread um you know spread positivity and spread awareness about Euroleague league and european basketball
0: definitely definitely so
2: if that's a, that's
0: kind of the trend right now what, what you think the next trend for athletes could be
2: for man, um, I mean, it's going to continue to grow. Cause, I mean, if you look at like player led content, um, overseas, there's only a few people really doing it. Um, you know, it's y'all, there's uh, I think overseas players, I think they have like a Instagram handle. Um, Shaq McKenzie from Olympiacos, he's doing it. Um, we got a little bit, um, you know, uh, Jory Davis, you know, we've all she's doing something. Um, so there's there's other you know, there's some there's some podcasts, but I think you know, you're gonna start to see more prominent names, bigger names. Um, you know, people start up and start doing, doing more, um, to showcase. And I think now you're going to start seeing probably within the next two to three years. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see like a large network, like a Netflix or Amazon or somebody like that, um, you know, start to pay more attention to overseas basketball and start wanting to showcase a lot more. Now you see with, you know, with, uh, um, uh, I can't think of the movie that just came out with Adam Sandler.
1: Hustle, hustle.
2: Hustle. So you see with hustle, you see that So I think you start seeing little pockets and little things and little flashes that are kind of coming. Um, So I think eventually you're going to see, you know, some long form. Giannis just had his movie on uh, Rise on on Disney. So I think you're going to start seeing more um, of those things and more of those type of content things that are going to start forming and start happening. And I think from there, um, you know, like I said, people are going to start, you know, learning more about, you know, overseas basketball.
1: I think looking to the future, I think we. We kind of have to look back, and not not back as in time, but back in like the the younger generation, and the way you see these young guys. And I think you know it's, it's probably the same overseas, but definitely these young high school players now, man, they on TikTok, they filming day in the lives, so they're doing all these things at a young age. Like one young boy in high school, man, he he's like he made four fifty off this NIL, and like tick, he's getting like three hundred from TikTok. But it's like I think that that. I think the next trend, as this, this newer generation starts to get in there, I think we'll start seeing a lot more like vlogging type content. I think you know stories are always going to be at the forefront of uh, sports media. You know, started off in print. You know, now it's starting off with uh, you know, starting to hit the podcast wave on the audio form. I think now, especially with the way these phones are and cameras and editing, you can do so much with the phone. I could start seeing guys start doing more like day in the life type stuff, uh, especially being overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now that you got ways to actually monetize that, I think that that'll probably be, you know, the next trend um, for athletes is, is more video, day-in-a-life vlog type content. Yeah, definitely, definitely, I agree.
0: We, what we about to see about. Ten thousand Kanye documentaries in about ten years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they coming, man. They're coming. <laughs> filming, filming from nine and up, man. But <laughs> <laughs> with, with that said, what is, what has become important to you um, during your career besides you know obviously just playing and, and your contracts? What is uh, what's become something that matters to you besides just the basketball?
2: Um, I mean, I think to me as um, just be in the moment, enjoy the moment. I think that's something I've learned and try to appreciate, you know, more now, just enjoying the moment, you know, whether that moment is, whether it's win, loss, draw, whatever, just enjoy the moment because, you know, as I'm starting to get to the, the you know, the last moments of my career, you know, I never know if I'm ever going to get the opportunity to, you know, do these things or, you know, experience these things. So I think that, and I got kids, so, you know, you know, I want my kids to remember me being, you know, a decent hooper, like somebody that was like, you know, they can be, you know, they can be proud of. Like I want my, like I always say, like now like they let like, you retire. I was like, nah, I got. I want my son to remember me scoring a, ba- like scoring a bucket, like scoring a basket. Like I don't want him like on YouTube and like you know all that, you know all that different type of stuff. So I want them to remember me as like actually being like a good basketball player. So I think those are those are the two things. And lastly, just man, just just enjoying man, just enjoying the game, like. You know, at the end of the day, I think sometimes we all kind of take this game a little too seriously and we forget that fact that it's a game. Like something we've been doing since we was, you know, four, or five, six years old, like on the playground. And if we weren't professional hoopers, we would be doing it anyway. Like, you know, we would be, you know, in the you know, twenty four hour fitness, the LA fitness, the playgrounds in the backyard shooting around. So I mean for me it's like just just enjoy the game and not, you know, just remember what it is. It's a game and, you know, have fun doing it. Yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. I see you you got a lot of uh my what is it? Nonprofit or philanthropic stuff yeah. like Team Hines Foundation and stuff like that. So I know that that seems like very important to you as well. And then what is uh, what's Gutter Cat? What is, what is the Gutter Cat man, with the TBT? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Gutter Cat, gang, gang. Um, uh, I'll start with the Gutter Cat. So I mean, we you know I do I do TBT every year. Um, it's something that's you know been um, you know very important to me. We kind of see the growth of TBT. Um, and we partic- participated in, you know, I think it's almost like five or six years now, but we, we started our own organization, the TVT, the team with my team, with my foundation. Um, so this year we partnered um, with uh, the Gutter Cat Gang, which is an NFT um, lifestyle community. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's been great. I mean, we, we just came off of last weekend, we were in Omaha, um, and, you know, they had all the Omaha saying gang, gang, and, you know, Gutter Cat Gang, <laughs> and, you know, throwing up the Gutter Cat. Um, you know, gutter cat signs and everything like that. So um, it's been great to, you know, kind of partner with them, especially they, they also, so also with that partnership, which I think is even more important, like they basically gave our players um, a master class about NFTs and cryptos. So one of the things that we wanted to do was like, yo, if you guys are going to partner with us, like, you know, we want to be able, our players to be able to get something out of it. So they basically sat down, all our players, um, and they, they, they talked about the origins of NFTs, talk about the origins of crypto, talk about how they can benefit from it, how they can possibly monetize, you know, their brands from it. Um, set up, you know, OpenSea, set up uh, MetaMask, wallets for all the players. So for me, that was one of the most important things because I feel like, you know, these, these you know, OK, whether we went to Reti or not, I wanted all our guys to come out of this, you know, feeling like they, they they got something from it. You know what I mean? Like they didn't go there and just waste their time. Um, and then Team Hines 42 Foundation is basically my foundation that me and my family started, um, you know, basically want to give, you know, um, you know, kids, youth an opportunity to, you know, to be great. Um, you know, I'm a big I'm a big reader and I said this in many other interviews. You know, I, I love Malcolm Gladwell. Um, and one of his books, The Tipping Point, mm-hmm. he says that, you know, um, you know, a person can't be great or can't, you know, um reach their potential without first having the opportunity to be great and you know and it typically breaks down all the things that are necessary for you to be great you know whether or not you got a mentor whether or not you know you know they talked about things with Steve Jobs or somebody like that had a, or Bill Gates he was next to um, he lived next to a computer center so that's why yeah. he, to, you know learn computers and learn coding and thus and that's why he was able to create you know what he created so for me, you know, I'm like, well, you know, basketball is what I know. So I want to use basketball as a vehicle to give, you know, the youth the opportunity to reach their full potential. So that's pretty much what we do with Team Hines. We just recently um, redid a court in North Philadelphia. Um, uh, we just actually gave the court to the, um, Philadelphia to, at the Hank Gathers of our financial centers, Hank Gathers in Dawn Stanley um who's you know legendary coach and player from philadelphia um redid the whole court so that's something that we do every year and when we do camps and you know all different type of stuff um so that's kind of like you know my um you know what i try to do off the court like i said i mean i feel like i'm just a service a serviceman to the to the game of basketball and i'm just trying to just do my best to kind of you know do what i possibly can to help you know better the game
0: man that's love that's love so you uh well first of all yeah that, that uh, Malcolm Gladwell book is amazing, man. Yeah. He talks about how like all the dudes are born in the first half of the year yeah. for hockey and all that. And that that, <laughs> that, that stuff is that shit is fascinating. Exactly. Real, man. That stuff is fascinating. But um with my other what was I about to say? Lost my train of thought again. But um either way, we got we got one more section for you. Um it's paycheck, rain check, and you can take that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> paycheck rain check somebody's uh paycheck is taking a rain check man the highlight of this uh this episode man is my man Pablo Lasso man he's uh he's had a falling out with Real Madrid he he unfortunately had a heart attack um towards the end of the season uh he wasn't able to finish coaching and then um news came out that he parted ways and uh recently he's he just had a camp he says he's perfectly healthy and it it appears that uh Real Madrid just wanted to kind of let him go and um you know this is this is completely is ludicrous to me because I mean this this guy has been there 11 years he's won six titles I think in Spanish two yearly championships and um you know, to see him go out like this, especially taking that team to the championship in the uh, Euroleague this year, and as well as um, you know winning in the ACB, man, I, I think this is a this is an unfortunate way, you know, for him to uh, to end his legacy, you know, with Real Madrid, man. But uh, I guess the question is, is like where does you, where does loyalty stand in Europe, if anywhere? I thought it was with the coaches, man. I thought I thought teams like I thought they ride and die for their coaches, man. But I mean, this one this was a shock to me. I mean, there's 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 no loyalty in sports. As simple as that. I mean, there's no loyalty in sports.
2: I mean, this is, this is sports business. And the moment that you think that there is loyalty, um, that's usually when you get your your heart broken <laughs> the most. Um, I mean, Pablo's situation. I mean, I don't know the all the behind the scenes. I mean I guess none of us know unless we were actually in the room, but I mean from the outside looking in it does, you know, it does um does look like, you know, he was done wrong just for the fact because, you know, he's giving you know, given everything. I mean the man had a heart attack and was still willing to, you know, continue to coach and continue to be out there. Um so like I said, I mean it has to be some more but um but I mean my I mean Pablo he's a great coach and he's gonna he's gonna be great, not only in Madrid, he's gonna be great wherever he go wherever he goes. So so I think, I mean, he won't have no problem. But, I mean, there's no loyalty in sports. That's 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 really what the bottom line is. I mean, it, does, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, us watching The Last Dance, or if you're, you know, somebody else, you know, this is a sports business. And, you know, the way that management or ownership or whoever these guys that are running the team or people that are running the team, um, they're always looking, you know, looking looking what's next. Um, you know I always, I always say and I said this in another podcast I was like the moment they sign you is the moment that they're looking to replace you they're looking for a reason to replace you they sign you and as soon as they sign you they're ultimately looking for a reason to replace you so that that's just the, the fact and I mean the way that you if, if, I, I tell guys all the time I'm like that's the way you gotta look at it I mean you have to you know enjoy it be appreciative and you know, um, you know be appreciative of your career and the opportunity but at the same time um, you have to understand that at any moment I mean, that they can let you go. And, yeah, you know I mean, so you got to make the most of this opportunity. Um, at the same time, don't waste the opportunity um, and try to take full advantage of it. But at the same time, like I said, I mean, you got to understand like this is a business and you got to treat like on a business both ways. They're going to treat like a business. So you got to treat like a business. And you know I mean, that's the only way you want to, you know, want to succeed at this.
0: Yeah, man, that's facts. Wait till what I do. My last year, I'm about to I'm about to boycott. I hope we in a championship game. I'm about to boycott the game, throw the ball at the ref head, and go right to the airport, man. Fuck <laughs> what y'all talking about ass <laughs> niggas, <Just>, man. <laughs> Don't mess with them dudes at all. But, nah, that, that's definitely a fact. Loyalty is is not a thing. I mean, shit, only loyalty to you guys, really, your family and your friends, for real. So, I mean, being honest, that's in, that's in any industry, any business, so. Um, so they definitely gotta be grateful for those people and keep keep those people around you. Definitely. So But listen man, we we appreciate oh actually hold on, wait one second, cause you mentioned you mentioned Shaq's podcast and you did make a comment about Luca being top five, no doubt, in the NBA right now. I wanna go ahead and quash that. Uh put you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Luca's top five? Uh top ten.
2: Lucas top ten? Top ten, yes. No debate? L- yeah, Luca's definitely 10. top. Yeah. 10. I mean, top ten, no
0: debate. No debate, top ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no debate. 10. Yeah. So you saying no we debate. can't? Where's your debate? Where's your debate? So, who is LeBron better?
2: Is LeBron better?
1: At the mo- yeah. At
2: yeah at the moment. Like right now, I, I, I right right to now today, right now today. <laughs> yeah, LeBron. 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 LeBron's top five. Yeah. LeBron's top yeah. five. Luca is top ten. Top ten. My band, yes. Yeah. He's on the outside top five. Inside.
0: Also, so so you got LeBron, Giannis, Steph, KD, Jokic, and Bede. Uh who am I missing? I know I'm forgetting people now. Come on now. Yeah. Luca. Nah.
1: Luca's who you forgetting. Luca's who you forget. Luca's who you forget. Luca
0: Luca or Tatum. Luka or that's, Tatum. That's,
2: that's what I'm saying. You could throw you could throw Luca in the conversation with uh D book, Tatum, uh Yeah. So they're all all in that conversation.
1: So
0: Da nah, because nah, nah, I'm missing some people right now. Right, Luke ain't top 10. ain't top ten. Luke
1: ain't, nah, top, nah, 10. Nah, Luke ain't nah. top 10. Luke ain't top 10 right now. How he not top 10? Look at that team. Look at that team. What you mean? Look at that team. What
0: do you mean? First of all,
1: first of all, first of all, first of all. The Celtics, like you look at the Celtics, you look at CP and Devin Book and all them. So we looking at Tatum, we looking at Book and everything. All the pieces that they had between them two, Book, Tatum, and Luca. who had the better team? Who had the most help? I mean, look, man. The Celtics
0: probably had the best team, but they went to the finals.
1: So, no, I get what you're saying, but what I'm saying is, is like, Luca's the main, the main focus there. You're game planning for Luca. I think, there. I
0: think at the same time, though, Luca, like, you can't really put a lot of guys with Luca.
2: Of that, the way he who, plays who, right who, now. Who are you? Who are you put in the top ten besides him?
0: Uh, so I had Brian. I had KD, I had Giannis, I had Jokic, I had Embiid, I had Steph, I had Kyrie, I got uh Tatum, like I'm taking Tatum and then I'm taking. I can't. I got to think of some other people that I can't. You know, my brain ain't coming to me right now. That's just yeah, that's just right, off. Right, that's just right, off the right, top right, of my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, Wrap
1: the show up. You still <laughs> got two fingers <laughs> yeah. left. Wrap Girl, the show shit. up. He's in the top ten. If I got if I got to look through the list
0: 10. now, who am I forgetting?
1: Where DeBar <laughs> at? Where DeMar at? Where DeMar at? I've, I've at? never seen. I've never, I've never. seen somebody try to hate so hard. What you mean? I'm yeah, just this saying. Man is trying to hate. No, he's just hating people off the top i I'm not. Oh shit, Kawhi. I forgot about
0: Kawhi. That's not. And then to be right. to be honest, y'all, I'm gonna get flat for this, but my nigga PG, your PG All still right. an animal, Dame. He is. He's good. Dame. He's good. Don't Dame. get me wrong. It was a- I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Luca not top ten. No debate. I will just put it like that.
1: He on the outside All of that right, top enough, ten. Too.
0: And outside of the
1: top Fair enough, I, and that and that's why that's why people like you are up there in Minnesota. You know that's why we we, we moved we moved your population of Black Americans up there in Minnesota. Like I go start a riot and stuff. Y'all like y'all like to start stuff up now. Like you know what I mean. Y'all got this battery in y'all back. Y'all held us down, so now y'all okay. think y'all can just come out here and talk crazy in public. Y'all held the Black community down during the pandemic. Now y'all want to talk crazy in public. Like I, I get it, man. I you get bad. it. I get it. We acknowledge it.
0: We, we real niggas we up here, man. Real niggas up. Here. don't yeah, forget right, it. But look, man, we appreciate you coming on, legend in the game. It's an honor to have you on the show, man. We salute you, appreciate you and continue success in everything you do. And uh we'll hopefully get you on again sometime down there. Yeah, the road. man, I
2: pre- I just want to say I appreciate y'all, man. Definitely want to give you all your flowers, man, for what y'all doing. Um, you know, the movement that y'all got behind y'all, you know, moving and pushing the game of basketball, especially overseas basketball forward. Um like I like I told Ant before, man, y'all y'all have a lot to do in this uh this media content space. Um, For you know, highlighting you know, and giving guys opportunities that probably wouldn't have those opportunities. So man, just keep keep doing what you're doing. Um, And I said, I mean, us us OGs, us old heads of the game, definitely appreciate it, man. So appreciate you guys.